welcome back to my Teach English in China episode, uh, especially to those who have been following my uh, podcast. And uh, apologies for not being able to update it uh, as often as I would hope for. Uh, but uh, I'll try to do that um, in between my full-time job and everything else that I'm working on. But um, uh, this is a podcast about everything that, that you need to know if you want to teach uh, English in China. Um, for those who are listening it for the first time. And uh, this episode will be about what you will be expected to teach. But before we get into the details of this topic, I'd like to uh, share a quick update, which is very important because it concerns Chinese government's policy. So uh, if you remember that uh, in China, there is this government body or agency called SEFA, uh, which is responsible for uh, coming up with uh, regulations and rules and all that uh, for foreign uh, nationals to work in China. Uh, they in Back in 2016, actually, they issued a policy uh, which specified that uh, for language teachers that you need to teach the language that is your native language. Meaning, if you want to teach English in China, you have to be a national that uh, comes from one of these countries, the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and South Africa. Just repeat this again uh, so that you, you're clear. It's United States, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and South Africa. But uh, even though, like I said, this policy was issued in 2016, but it wasn't implemented uh, in many places uh, before. But now, just recently, uh, now it's June uh, the 10th, 2018, just recently, I've been seeing a trend that many provinces and cities started to implement this. So, again, this is very crucial because if you are not from any of these countries that I just mentioned, you will not be able to get a work visa uh, to teach English in China. episode, uh, we'll be exploring some of these aspects uh, in this topic. This includes what you'll be asked to teach, whether you would have to prepare course materials by yourself, and what kind of support you can expect to get in your everyday teaching job. So as you can see, this is a huge uh, question as the answers to these questions vary a lot. Uh, 
So let's dissect it in two dimensions. One, uh, by the level of study, meaning lower level to higher level. And two, by the type of your employer, meaning private or public. So in this episode, I think we'll just have time to focus on one group, and that is the public, primary, and secondary schools. So first of all, uh, even though the actual teaching happens in these public schools, your actual employment will most likely be with a private company that functions as a broker or agency. This is mainly because most elementary and secondary schools do not have the license to hire foreign staff. Therefore, a common practice is that uh, one private company hires uh, a pool of foreign teachers and dispatch them to various public K-12 schools to teach a couple of lessons a week. In these schools, uh, what will you be expected to teach? A quick answer is that, generally speaking, foreign teachers in China are expected to focus on helping students develop their speaking abilities and, of course, to meet students' and parents' expectations on a foreign language classroom. So students uh, mainly learn English from their Chinese teachers who see them every day. Uh, Usually, I uh, think from elementary school to secondary school, uh, a lot of schools have uh, one period, one class period, meaning 45 minutes uh, for students to have uh, English class. So sometimes your employer will assign uh, one of these Chinese teachers to assist you in your classroom. So you may be wondering, what does this mean? (laughs) Should should I be happy about it or, or should I be concerned about it? Well, the answer, I think, is both. Um, because when this happens uh, with the presence of a Chinese teacher, often students will automatically turn to him or her when they don't understand what you mean, as opposed to trying to work it out by themselves, especially if the teacher already um, has the tendency to voluntarily translate what you say into Chinese to the students all the time. Such Chinese teachers do this um, because maybe they think that the students didn't get it uh, or won't get it or just to show off his or her English language skills to you or to students. Um, So when this happens, my suggestion is that you talk to the teacher politely in private and explain that if students hear Chinese, they will not focus on the English uh, at all. And therefore, um, it defeats the purpose of having uh, a native native English teacher like you uh, for the class. But having said this, of course, this will require you to be aware of the language level of your students and try not to use too many words that are new to them at the time. So why do I say this? 
This is very important because uh, if you've taken some secondary language acquisition theory lessons, you would be familiar with the concept of I plus one. If you haven't, uh, I think this is a critical language acquisition theory for you to know. I plus one is short for input plus one. I don't know if you can guess, but uh, this is a hypothesis proposed by an American professor, Krashen. What he suggests is that the language input for students used by a teacher should be, quote, comprehensible input, unquote. Meaning that the language input should only be slightly above the learner's current level of competency in the language. And why is that? Let's take a look at a quick example. So let's imagine that right now you are teaching a group of first graders and you ask one boy, can I borrow your eraser? So if he hasn't learned either borrow or eraser yet, most likely, no matter how many times you repeat the question to him, he will not get what you mean because new information in this sentence is just too great for him to guess what you mean through context. On the other hand, if you use another verb that you know that he has learned to replace the word borrow, or use another noun to replace the word eraser that the students has already learned, then there would only be one new word in this whole sentence, so that he might be able to guess what you mean through context or your gesture, etc. So at this point, you might say, oh, this requires a lot of effort on my part to find out what students have already learned. Well, it seems like a lot of effort, and it is. But trust me, if you do this homework, it will make your teaching much easier and much more effective, which is very rewarding in the end. Meanwhile, uh, it can be helpful to have a Chinese teacher there if it's teaching a group of really young kids, let's say six or under. In this case, the Chinese teacher can help you manage the kids while you can focus more on doing the actual teaching of the language. Although sometimes I think it's hard to completely separate content delivery from classroom management. It's all a integral part of uh, teaching, I guess. The other instance for which I think an assistant uh, could be necessary is when the class size is too big, meaning over 30, which is kind of common in China. In this case, a Chinese teacher can help uh, keep any undesired noise from some naughty students down or help you monitor if students are doing what, ye, what they're supposed to do, etc.
All right, so now we know where you might be teaching and who uh, you might be teaching and with who you might be teaching. The next question is, what materials will you be asked to use? Again, a quick answer is that smaller organizations usually don't already have any materials ready for you to use in your English speaking class. Uh, or have any specific requirements on what to do with the materials that you are given. Whereas larger organizations may have their own materials or specify how you should use them. So if you happen to be assigned to teach some classes without specified materials, I would suggest that you pick a textbook or a textbook series by some well-known publishers such as Longman, uh, Oxford, or Cambridge, etc., as these companies have longer history in designing foreign language textbooks, which are generally of better quality and utilize better language teaching approaches. So even if the school says that you can just do some games with the students, um, unless it's a one-off event, with this group of students, I would still suggest that you use a textbook for two reasons. One, uh, random games are not very systematic, obviously. So the content, the style and difficulty levels can be jumbled um, and therefore make your teaching and students learning not effective or not as ex effective as it could be. Two, it will take you a lot of time to come up with appropriate games to use. Unless, of course, if you are already a highly qualified foreign language professional. Having said this, I am aware that some of you have great intuitions in teaching, but it does take a great deal of expertise and effort to come up with really systematic and appropriate language activities that follow the underlying language acquisition principles in us human beings. You can, however, bring in some additional games or activities to supplement the textbook if time allowed uh, for your class is more than sufficient or if you judge that the games and activities are highly relevant to the topics in the textbook that you are covering, and that they are of the same or very similar difficulty level. In that case, these games or activities could be a very good supplement. But either way, um, a safe thing to do is to double check with your employer if uh, they think that your ideas about how to conduct the lesson would be good. Um, this is both to ensure that you get yourself covered and to show them that you are being professional uh, who are always well prepared. Now, what levels of competency in the English language will your students be at? Again, this can vary a lot. Depending on what kind of family one kid is from, which city it is in, which school it is with, and many other variables. As um, rich families 
and in mega cities like Beijing or Shanghai, there are obviously better resources available, at least to some kids. So here we'll uh, just be looking at the great majority of the kids in China, and this means kids from most average uh, families that are studying. Studying in average schools in second and third tier cities, many of、uh, whom start to learn English when they are around six or seven, as true beginners. And here are some topics in a mainstream English textbook series、uh, used by、uh, sixth graders in China. So you know what is. Being covered、uh, in the six years of primary school or elementary school、um, study. So some some topics you、uh, be able to see are、uh, how can I get there, ways to go to school, my weekend plan, I have a pen pal, what does he do, how do you feel. So as you can see, in terms of grammar, the objective is that by the end of primary or elementary schools study, students should be able to use simple tenses to talk about daily people, things, and events. So this is、uh, primary school. Then by the end of、uh, first half of secondary school,、uh, meaning ninth grade in China, students will have、uh, come across these topics in the same textbook series. How can we become good learners? I think that mooncakes are delicious. Could you please tell me where the restrooms are? I used to be afraid of the dark. What are The shirts made of. When was it invented? Teenagers should be allowed to choose their own clothes. It must belong to Carla. I like music that I can dance to. You are supposed to shake hands. Sad movies make me cry. Life is full of the unexpected. We are trying to save the earth. I remember meeting all of you in grade seven. Here they are. So some some grammar and language uses usages that you can easily spot in these topics uh, are uh, clauses, passive voice, auxiliaries, and continuous tenses, etc. By the way, if these terms sound unfamiliar to you, I suggest that you do a quick read up. On some basic English grammar for teachers, because trust me, your students in China will ask you grammatical questions, and so if you don't know these terms,、uh, they will lose respect to you as their language teacher. Now, at the end of、uh, high school, your students would have learned more complex grammar, such as、uh, conditionals and past perfect tense, etc. In terms of the amount of vocabulary,、uh, around three thousand words will have been introduced by the end of the twelfth grade, the end of high school. At this point,、uh, you may say, "Wow, that's pretty good, right?" Yes. But.
what. But I need to bring up another point, uh, important point, uh, which is very important in helping you know what to do in teaching any of these classes. That is, most Chinese have much better English language input abilities, meaning reading and listening skills, than their language output abilities, meaning speaking and writing, especially speaking when people do not have a lot of time to process the information in their brain. Um, so millions of Chinese adults who can read complex publications in English but they can't put together a coherent English sentence asking you for directions. Of course, this current generation of uh, primary school and secondary school students uh, have better English language output abilities than their parents' generation, but actually not um, by that much, or at least not as much as I thought it would have been um, after a couple of decades. Um, but uh, this is partly because many teachers here still mainly use the grammar translation approach in their classrooms. Partly because uh, the large class size, uh, which could be anywhere between 30 and 60, and it's just simply too difficult for teachers to help students work on their speaking abilities and partly because the national testing systems for foreign language uh, study that that are still focused on grammar and therefore teachers do not want to or do not know how to help students develop develop their language output skills as a result, um, even though most Chinese high school graduates might have around uh, 3,000 vocabulary, it may only mean that they can read uh, this much and maybe uh, understanding them in listening this much, but cannot produce them uh, in an independent speaking or writing setting. So when you are tasked to conduct an English speaking class at a elementary or a secondary school, bear this huge gap in mind uh, when you speak to your students. So one good way to do, uh, to do is uh, to use simpler vocabulary and shorter sentences first and then you can gradually increase the difficulty level in the language that you use in your instruction um, after you, you see that students are comfortable with uh, understanding what you're saying. Otherwise, you will lose a lot of your students immediately if you think that they should be able to understand as many words by listening uh, as reading. Another suggestion is that you slow down the rate of speech in the beginning of your class and slowly increase the speed if your students seem to be able to follow you nicely enough. All right, so in this episode, we covered teaching in public elementary and secondary schools, uh, specifically what you may be tasked to teach 
what levels of language competency most of your students are at, uh, whether or not you will be given course materials, and the need uh, to be aware of the gap in language input and output abilities in your students. So hopefully this has been uh, helpful to you. And in the next couple of episodes, we'll be exploring these specifics in other groups of learners and situations. Okay, so thank you for listening to this uh, episode. And if you like to leave me a message, you can do so on my anchor.fm page. Anchor.fm, that is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And this is the platform that I'm actually recording my uh, podcast on. And on this platform, you can leave uh, a voice message as well, if you so wish. And if you go uh, to anchor.fm, uh, either on the web page or, or the uh, mobile app, you can search for Teach English in China and you'll be able to find me. All right, I'll uh, look forward to talking to you next time.